This is Flipping Table! That was enough. (laughs) (laughs) This is Flipping Table, the podcast about culture, gaming, technology, and... All kinds of other interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Mike Edwards. I think uh, we have to start... I don't want to read this word for word. Actually, I want you to do this. I want you to do this follow-up. <laughs> but don't read it word for word, especially because there are some completely ridiculous typos that we just copy-pasted right in. Why wouldn't I read this word for word? Right, the beginning is so good. All right, go for it. <laughs> All right, from one of our listeners in follow-up. He said, Brocasters, sorry if the grammar in this message sucks. I'm listening to your podcast on my commute into work, and I'm trying not to kill myself while driving. I, we agree with the front pocket <laughs> wallet situation. I moved to that many years ago when I had a rather large, regular size wallet in my back pocket, and I started losing sensation in my big toe on the top, and this is because of the tilting of the pelvis <laughs> and the pushing on the nerves that go all the way down to the foot. Cool for anatomy and understanding the human body, but not cool for my great toe. <laughs> In my wallet right now, I have a driver's license, some cash one, debit card one, credit card, my health insurance <laughs> card, which I needed to show them to get my flu shot, my Heart American, my Heart American Association. Uh, it's not what it says. It's me reading it bad. Well, this is not an easy read. Yeah. <laughs> CPR certification card, my dental benefits card. For some reason, Siri decided card needed to be attached to whatever the next word is yeah. every single time. Yep. Um, Dental benefits card and one Lamar's Donut Lovers card. Don't judge me. Cheers sent for my iPhone. This was from our listener Mike. Yeah, and it's important to note that, that whole thing had like two periods in it. No commas, no question marks. Oh, there, sorry, there's one. Brocasters, comma. Which I can't believe. Well, if you actually say the punctuation, it'll add it in as you dictate, but he clearly yeah. was just going stream well, consciousness. <laughs> First, I don't know if I self-identify as a brocaster, but but he must have said bro hyphen casters comma yeah because there's I, no way that was in the dictionary yeah yeah I wonder if he had to like try a couple times no Siri no 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 start again no brocasters brocasters add yeah, the dictionary so okay this is cool because one it's just. Anything that confirms that what I'm doing is popular is always nice. So, somebody <laughs> always had, happy to hear something I've done that someone else thinks is great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so he went down to the the small wallet. I guess he was actually suffering great toe related issues. So that's a bummer. Um, toe gate. Toe gate. <laughs> Are we doing that? Um, but this is a uh, this is cool. Someone was willing to put their life at risk to type out this message with a lot of <laughs> terrible spelling and punctuation errors to give us feedback. That's, that's nice. That means that this was more important than them surviving their commute to work. Thanks, Mike. Um, and I have to follow up. So the, the, the plastic plastic. Part, yeah. Like, um, it does. I, I watched the little promo voiceover xylophone, Apple wannabe <laughs> commercial, and uh, it actually does you can sync like RFID to it, which is like, okay. It's like now I'm listening. Like, okay. So now I can replace my, my subway card and not the sandwich, but the train. 
I can replace my <laughs> my card to get into work, you know, to, mm-hmm. to unlock the door like that. All your rewards cards yeah, too. That may actually be worth like a hundred bucks to me. I don't know how much it you know, if the thing costs two, three hundred dollars, it's not that important. I still think it's a niche product. It totally is. But I would I would enter into that that niche if <laughs> I felt like there was something I could actually get out. You of. would scratch that niche. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just i i love I love a good pun, and I just I'm waiting for you to get. I me feel one. like <laughs> no, the best puns are the ones that make you physically like wince. I can't. Why? Yeah, I I can't remember. There was <laughs> that some is comedian, what a great pun is. Yeah, there, there's some comedian who has a whole thing about how like a pun that your first reaction isn't cringing isn't technically a pun like it's just a joke yeah you should like feel like you want to punch the person at least a little bit <laughs> a little bit yeah so if you see like their fist clench up it's like oh that was a good pun. <laughs> it's like you son of a bitch <laughs> so and this this may actually become kind of part of the the episode at large but i was i had a realization about spoilers that i think after all of my talk about how spoilers don't matter <laughs> and everybody should just shut up in science and psychology, <laughs> I found a time when spoilers are spoilers to me, when, <laughs> when spoilers is spoilers. And it's when the ending turns out to be really, really terrible. So okay. I have a modern specific example for this, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So I'm going to go back to an older example of the show Lost. Did you watch Lost? <laughs> I watched part of the first season. I said, I'm going to wait. Okay. <laughs> and then I haven't, so, I haven't gone back. <laughs> so you, you sensed that maybe there was something foul coming. <laughs> Some aimlessness. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't watched Lost, all you really need to know is that it famously nosedives like midway through the third season where they just start introducing nonsense and never answering They're any the of these story riddles. embodiment of that onion story that was i fucked my way into this mess i'm gonna fuck, <laughs> fuck my, my way, way out, out of it <laughs> like, we nonsensed our way into this mess yeah so and and it's particularly funny to me if you kind of follow like the meta narrative of lost that the um the writers and directors in an interview uh I think it was actually um, it was Abrams, right? J.J. Abrams. I think at one point he said in an interview, Damian Lindelof. I don't know who that he is. did Prometheus script, which is also famously frustrating. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> so this is like a this is a pattern with these people. But he so J.J. Abrams actually said at one point, um, we haven't. This was early on, like right after the first season, middle of the second season. We haven't introduced anything into the show that can't be explained by science. <laughs> and that was like That was a great story that he just told. <laughs> yeah. cool, cool story, bro. <laughs> and at that point that may have been true, but anyone who stuck it out with Lost and I made it to like the middle of the fourth season knows that they just start making crap up. And see, I came to Lost like years after it was over cuz my wife was a big fan when it was new and she did things in a very like old tv kind of way like her and her friends got together and they like they had lost like premiere parties when they were episodes (laughs) and they watched them together and that's fine like i don't i don't have anything against that unfortunately coming into that show years after it was over and hearing the all the complaining and all of this like i knew the ending was terrible and that it there really isn't an ending. like it just stops without ever explaining anything and that that is a kind of spoiler i can't tolerate because (laughs) 
the first, now your will to go through it is destroyed. <laughs> it's now like so. Uh, I keep using the murder mystery example because it's just really easy, low hanging fruit. But if you're watching a movie like The Sixth Sense and there's the big twist or Clue, <laughs> Clue. Okay, so it's you're a great movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's like if you know who actually is the murderer in Clue. There's like three different endings. Okay, so it's uh, Colonel Mustard with the candlestick. <laughs> so if you know going in that that's he's the murderer, I don't know that I actually believe that that ruins the movie because it's a good movie. Yeah, to me, it's what that ruins about movies with twists is movies with twists get to lead you on for a while and like you're caught up in the drama of maybe it's this guy yeah and if you just know the ending you're you're like ah fuck that it's not it's not this guy see and this is we've hit the crux of it i don't experience that (laughs) and you are missing human pieces and, and, (laughs) and science says that i am right for not losing out on Okay, but we've talked about that. But here's where I do get caught up. With Lost in particular and this other newer show, it was How I Met Your Mother. The ending sucks. So, <laughs> with, with this, with Lost in particular. There's also the entire point of that sitcom. Yeah, right? The, the, the whole first season, I was like, oh, this is okay. I see like how people got into this and there's some drama and there's some mystery. And then during the second season, I was like, okay, they're... They're introducing a whole lot of questions here. When you're gonna start answering some of these questions, like what's going on here? And then midway into the third season, I just had this like dark realization where I was like, "Oh, oh, they're never going to explain any of this. <laughs> this is what everyone hated about this show." Yeah. So then every time like a new thing would happen, I would just catch myself like, "Well, I don't fucking give a shit about this because they're never gonna explain it." I just I think I figured out the analogy for this it's lost is a macguffin turned into a cancerous tumor where it just grows and grows of what's in the briefcase times a million and they're never going to tell you or show you yeah well i mean it's like in psycho after that first scene with the briefcase they never talk about or show the briefcase again it's left to the viewer to obsess over the briefcase yeah lost is like if they never pan away from the briefcase ever (laughs) like you can hear shit going on nearby but the camera is just on the briefcase and i checked out that the only mysteries i know about are some numbers a hatch and a smoke monster and that's it yeah so (laughs) the smoke monster turns out to be way more complicated than is necessary okay um the hatch they go in there it's a bunker and uh, the numbers are spy numbers, which is like, that's a real thing. Like before we had other, yeah. right? So it's like, they do explain some of the mysteries, but it's like, it's they're little pieces. It's like the big, how the hell did that happen? Like there's this like one time thing, traveling. and Yeah. <laughs> literally time traveling. Um, the island can just magically like bamf from place to place. Nightcrawler style. It can badass motherfucker from place to place. <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah. So, I, and a lot of swearing in this episode. Sorry, a lot, lot of swearing in this episode. Um, so, so this is, and this, so with, I'm just gonna go ahead and if you have not watched the ending of How I Met Your Mother, fast forward five minutes. It will not take me more than five minutes to crap to all over us. this. It turns out in the ending of How I Met Your Mother that they just crap all over the point of the entire series, and he ends up with Robin. And since we've already totally ruined our itunes not explicit rating 
fuck that. That is not what that show is about. It turns out that it's a nine year of him trying to justify to his kids that he's going to sleep with their aunt. Like that's, that is not a satisfying ending. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, so you're a shithead. Yes. And now finding that out eight seasons in that that's how it's going to end. And now I'm trying to watch through the ninth season. I'm like, oh, that was sweet. Too bad they're going to crap all over it in just a few short episodes. <laughs> or like, oh, look, that was that character talked to the wife and then or the mother. And then the mother ends up doing this other thing that like inserts her into the situation. And if that hadn't happened, she never would have become the mother and how I met your mother. But it doesn't matter because she fucking dies. Like, <laughs> it's just this long, slow march toward this unpleasant <laughs> nonsense. And. Uh, I, like I was so I'm sitting there with my wife watching how I met your mother and just crapping all over the episode we're watching. And I was like, I had this like mind blow <laughs> moment where I was like, this is it. This is how other people feel when they find out who the murderer is. I should stop telling people who the murderer is. And I was already to be fair. I was already of the mindset that I should not spoil things for other people just because it doesn't bother because me. Because they care. Yes. But that was sympathizing. Now I can empathize. So uh, it's now emic, not just edic. <laughs> so yeah, that was that's my thing. So if you're if you're busy scrubbing through on your podcatcher, I'm done talking about how I met your mother. Yep. So this He just this, ends up with Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Carolyn's gonna hate you if she cares about this show. So, so this, this, this <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. I had my rant. Go ahead. So that that's our our follow up, and uh, we're just gonna crash right into a, a complete segue into some other topics. And in tech news, I'm sort I was sort of blown away that uh, apparently the nation of China is conducting a phishing attack. Do you mean the People's Republic? Yes, of China? the People's Republic of China <laughs> is. Here's the headline: staging a nationwide attack on iCloud and Microsoft accounts. Apparently, what's happening is they are intercepting certain IP address requests and sending users to a identical looking login screen. So they can harvest logins, presumably to surveil people. Yeah, which is, um, I mean, that's a classic man in the middle. Yeah, they, and they when, control the networks. When your entire nation can, uh, or the People's Republic, <laughs> uh, can have such a strong-armed internet, you can do things like this. Yeah, I, I don't think the Chinese actually call their their firewall the great firewall like that's that has to be a western invention right that term i have no idea because that, that's i mean i see it referred to that way in a non-humorous like people are not trying to be funny when they say the great firewall or such and such a news site is blocked by the great firewall like that's just what it's called maybe at one time it was a joke but there's no way that the chinese call it that i just yeah that would shock and all me but this is um this is exactly the kind of thing that always gives me pause because certainly there are people in China who know what the Chinese government is doing to oppress them. But presumably there are lots of other people who either are in denial or they are just genuinely not aware or they don't understand the technology enough to understand what's going well, on. I think there's also a segment that's like, they believe a, a different kind of story about the purpose of the firewall and the 
like have positive reasons in their mind that they think it's a good thing. Yes, <laughs> exactly that kind of thing. And and the reason I say it gives me pause is because whenever I see something like this about a very large nation with a very large number of people who just statistically can't all be morons, and yet this oppression is allowed to continue through inertia or yeah. military force or whatever, I always kind of step back and I'm like, is this happening to me? Like right now, like, do yeah. I think I have access to all the world's information unfettered by the government? And really, I don't. Yes. Right? Because <laughs> how would you know? Like, no one knows they live in the Matrix because no one can be told. I remember what the a recent is. Daily Show where they were they were going to police departments and talking to like other people and asking, like, do you know how many deaths due to police action like there are? It, they the, were like, asking annually. cops these questions. Yeah, okay. because supposedly through some very, very, very weak legislation, police departments are supposed to maintain records of how often they kill someone. You, yeah, one would think. <laughs> and they, it doesn't exist. Oh, good. Good, great. <laughs> or not in any form where regular people are allowed to look it up. <laughs> good. Okay. So if, like, say, a journalist wanted to know about police brutality... Yeah, there's nothing like, for you to look up because it... If they do track it, they don't, definitely don't make it available. Awesome. So the, there are little corners of just like, yeah, nope. <laughs> See, and that that kind of, I mean, that's that's bad. That's no question <laughs> bad. But that still feels like, oh, well, there's this one dark area of the government that they're ashamed of. And if it came to light, it would be really bad. So those are the areas that probably need light the most. But still, it feels like, oh, well, that's a – we have, you know, the those, We do have a Freedom of Information Act, yeah, which doesn't – Everything's fine. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm imagining, like, a field with a gate but no fence, right? So it's like, well, you could just – if you push hard enough, it'll swing open or fall down, <laughs> and you can get to what's on the other side. But, like, is – and I mean this conspiracy theory wrought large because there's no answer. Like, a good conspiracy theory, it can't be disproven. But it's like – that really does make me suspicious. I mean, I, I'm f- fascinated by like the North Korean experience because, again, there are certainly people in North Korea who believe the propaganda. Mm-hmm. They, you know, believe great leaders sprung believe- out of a double rainbow from a volcano. And-, and plenty of our nation believe our propaganda that our little foreign entanglements are for a good reason and oh, yeah. are keeping us safe and are like, it's just... We believe the story. Maybe not personally us. Right. Well, definitely you. (laughs) But, I mean, can you think of any American propaganda that borders on, like, religious fanaticism? Supporting Israel? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's probably a weighty question to put you on the spot with. But, like, I mean, there are actually uh, people in North Korea that believe their leader is a deity. And, like... That's how, like, the Egyptians saw the world thousands of years ago. It just seems weird that there's people in modern society who would think that. Like, this obviously fallible human is somehow... I mean, he died. Like, yeah. <laughs> what kind of deity just dies of old age? I mean, there's definitely still belief that whoever is our leader is put there by God in our nation and deserves respect and to be Ooh, followed. That's, it's just they don't call him God, but they do you think attribute we, a we blessing. We still have and, a large section of America that believes in, like, divine right to rule? Not like the, the old British, like... I am king and because God made me king, but more like by 
the pure, they wouldn't call it chance of the universe, whoever is leader, God yeah. allowed this to happen, so we need uh, to we need to be obedient followers. Yeah. So this because there's verses in the Bible about like respecting your elders and your leaders, no matter what, even if you disagree with them, kind of thing. Yeah. No, you're making me realize, <laughs> and and I I have to say I'm not a, a religious person, so if I say anything that's unintentionally offensive, I really don't mean it. But there are people that I have met who seem like perfectly logical, reasonable people who will write something off as like, well, God works in mysterious ways. It's like, well, you can – why understand anything ever if you can just explain it away like that? So if someone gets elected who is terrible for the country and for the world, it's like, well, he he became president or king or glorious Mm -hmm. leader – so God must have wanted that to happen. Like I have never understood that rationalization. That just yeah. seems like, you know, eyes closed, fingers in the ears, <laughs> humming loudly. And it's not that you need to find an explanation for everything, but saying that is finding an everything explanation. happens for a reason. Yeah, David. <laughs> exactly. Like I don't get that kind of mentality, and that is rife yeah causality (laughs) (laughs) yes things happen and then other results come out of that true story but so that is rife in america like we there are plenty of myths yeah yeah there's there's stories and myths in america too that people disbelieve because that's i don't know this is like my big thing lately is like that's just what humans are we are we are made of story even though we we try to use science to be objective (laughs) like even even huge amounts of the way we interact with science are basically just story too, and yeah, and I guess my my issue and the segue from where we started is amazing. I'm so, like, this is so fascinating to me. <laughs> this is but, why we do this, listener. That's right, for you, not just for us, but also for you. But this is, um, I think, the big difference, and I know it's. It's nitpicky, but it feels like a significant difference to me is a a logical or deductive scientific style approach is welcoming to change and new information, whereas a fanatical, not necessarily like organized religion, but like a belief based approach is, you know, finds change to be quite repugnant and does not want new information. That's definitely one of the most like unique things about science as a meta narrative <laughs> is that it i mean it, it's a story too but it's a different kind of animal than most of the other stories that form who we are yeah and i i, I think that's important cuz i mean like if you go up to someone in america and you or i should say if you go to someone in a modern uh civilized nation where they their whole life is not governed by an oppressive government or an oppressive religious government, and you give them new information that contradicts what they knew previously, they would probably change their mind more easily than if you went to someone in like North Korea and you were like, oh, your entire view of the world is wrong. And here's proof. <laughs> like that's hard for someone. Mm-hmm. You know, to say to someone like, oh, you thought that – the next street was going to be fifth Avenue, but it's actually sixth. You zoned out for a minute there while you're walking is a lot easier to digest than everything you know about the world is totally wrong. (laughs) Yeah. But I do think a a whole lot of what we like to lump in with science 
is culturally driven and story driven and just as transient or or part of our identity rather than the facts of the universe than we think. Like, yeah, that we need the scientific method to try to get observer bias out of when we're trying to make discoveries about how the universe works. But like the fact that we have laptops that look like this and all this <laughs> other stuff that we like is also sort of a product of that science is kind of also incidental. And like and so like the, there was an interesting question posed at this group I went to with David Thomas a few weeks ago was like there's this Pendulet quote which is he was basically and this is a thought experiment that is impossible to actually try it's just for speculation speculation Isn't that a good thought experiment? Yeah and therefore it's it's vulnerable to people saying your premise is absurd but <laughs> his premise was if you wiped out all human knowledge of all religion whatsoever and all human knowledge of science, that the religion would come back differently and the science would come back the same. Like people would make oh. discoveries and that there would be new and different religious stories. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the science is concrete, it's objective, it's like it doesn't change. But then there it was an interesting objection to this was um, one of the people in the group is this older psychologist dude named Joe, and he was like, his objection was, it, it, well, it's an absurd question because if you wipe out that, you've wiped out what makes us human. <laughs> and so that we're not humans anymore. But that he, he, he was like, absolutely, like the, the tropes and patterns of religious story of relation to a higher being, like all of that would come back and it would be the same. Like maybe there'd be slight deed, like, oh, we didn't call him Jesus or something. <laughs> but like he, he was adamant. No, the stories would be the same. It'd be sin. It'd be, it'd be all these, these same things. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, it, that's an interesting <laughs> thought experiment because I would say it's, more likely to be considered the same if you're boiling it down to its core yeah. being like the the idea of belief in a higher power and using god from whatever kind of religion to explain the unexplainable like that that is across cultures uh, throughout history we we've, yeah. we've done it as far back as we know well, and this we're was still his doing point it. was like we are wired for religion like as much as we in our modern sensibility, want to use science to get out of the hand wavy vagueness of like, well, God did it. That's it. We're done. No more discussion <laughs> that it's really, no, we're wired to believe in stories and tell stories and to know who we are by stories. And so that's not going away. even if you wipe it out and start from scratch. <laughs> so here, here is a crazy assertion. Is religion just a really early version of science. Here's what I mean. <laughs> Follow me down this, this nonsense. When we didn't understand like how fire worked, we just attributed it to God. You know, like Prometheus stole fire from the gods. It is a godly power and he gave it to humans. Like that's where fire comes from. And then later when we understood better how things like combusted and how materials burned and the chemical reactions like we stopped attributing it to prometheus and if a thousand or ten thousand years from now we're like oh crap it's actually this totally we misunderstood it's this other process like that will replace our current understanding of combustion so maybe it's it's that humans are hardwired to 
find an explanation for things. And as a culture, human beings are constantly pushing the boundary of what it means to understand a thing. But individuals are frequently willing to stop. (laughs) So like you get someone who gets to the world is flat and they're like, that's fine. But then someone else is like, well, what's the world standing on? And then they come up with, well, it's on these pillars and then it's on a turtle and then it's just turtles all the way down. And right. But then that's a good enough explanation for that person. And then there's another person who's like, "Eh, it doesn't really line up with what we're observing because there's this thing called the horizon and wouldn't stuff just be falling off the edge. And then, you know what I mean? So like as a culture, we're constantly pushing the answer. I guess, but. I think what what's interesting to me is that that's another story, and I think it, it comes up in the Enlightenment and and pushing forward into the modern world is this idea that we're always progressing, that mankind has gone from primitive to advanced, and that it's this inevitable like reaching higher and higher, and that's that's one story that I think yeah. our modern era thinks of itself as that way. Is it really that way? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I would say yes. Like, I would say based on my limited grasp of history that there hasn't been any point where we brought progress of society and of technology and of culture to a standstill or even went backwards ever. We've always – sometimes it's really slowed down. But we've always been on this kind of steady march up. I should say we've always been on a steady march of change we consider it to be an improvement, but there's always been this yeah. steady march of like cultural. We're also development. way better at killing each other. We are way <laughs> better at killing each other. <laughs> so there's different angles to it. I mean, how much of our technology is driven by creating weaponry? I mean, I think there's a oh, lot of it. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, well, to wrap this way back to where we started, <laughs> I mean, look at the the collision you're having in China with what's considered a totally mundane consumer service and it's it's smashing into this like oppressive military government regime what they consider to be a protection yeah you know against society's ills and the rest of the world and and all of that stuff like the fact that iCloud exists at all and the fact that the great firewall exists at all all came out of the darpanet project yeah. and arpanet <laughs> which was all military funded and government well, even and- uh, you could make an argument that the creation of computers was a lot to learn how to aim cannons <laughs> like <laughs> yeah how to like there's a plane going this way can we hit it yes okay <laughs> so do you think it would if we Let's just say magically there was suddenly peace, you know, like <laughs> there's a monkey's paw, but it's the left paw. So the wishes actually come out. Okay. And there's suddenly peace in the world. Like would that retard the progress of technology? Cause we, we no longer are working on new ways to aim guns. Well, if, if we take the necessities of mother invention, it just seems like war is one hell of a necessity of like, <laughs> we got to kill them or else they kill us. And so like, <laughs> You need some other motivation, I guess. There's a because if if you're eating well and everything's fine, everyone's you know relatively well off. Well, I said peaceful, not a utopia. I know, but I'm saying like <laughs> if no one needs anything, why yeah. invent things? And I think this gets almost into like the Gulliver's Travels. There's the chapter where he goes to like the horse people that are like they're they're like 
regular horses, but they're talking horses. <laughs> right. And they're very, very thoughtful horses. And he's like, look at all these modern marvels, these machines. And they're all like, so you've created all this stuff that places requirements on you and you're complicating your life and you're... And it's not exactly like the hipster, like, turn everything off, so put your devices down. But it's sort of like an honest critique of, like, what are you gaining? Right. There's a, before I forget it, I think this is a George Carlin joke, but like any good joke, I don't know the author of. I'm just going to attribute it to George Carlin. <laughs> it's uh, It goes something like, the invention of the flamethrower proves that at some point in history, somebody said, I need to set those people over there on fire. <laughs> But I can't reach them. <laughs> and it's like I I like the idea of of something besides war maybe driving technology. And I mean you 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 said it, like necessity is the mother of invention. So as long as we have some kind of need, I guess, because maybe it'll be like uh just a greater need for entertainment or comfort or travel or some there's gotta be something besides killing each other. All the people over there have been set on fire. We can stop <laughs> inventing better flamethrowers. Yeah. <laughs> it's one hell of a motivator. It is. So uh, And profit center. Oh, yeah, that's... This so, is the Metal Gear Solid 4 future. Uh, war, a war economy. War has changed. <laughs> so this... Like this whole thing with, and we should say this is not just Apple news, right? Because they're also, aren't they intercepting Microsoft, Microsoft accounts? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, what is, what is there to be done about this? Because in the article you shared, they someone in the comments immediately was like, oh, you guys are just bashing on Apple. And then somebody else was like, oh, well, you know, Google doesn't have this problem because they told China to screw off and they like basically just got out of China. And, and it's like, yeah, but they do really different things. And yeah. like, <laughs> Apple is trying to sell hardware that's linked to services, and Google is just like, fine, don't use our services. There's like eight billion other people, whatever. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, can Apple do anything? Or are they just like, whatever? We just want a billion more customers. Yeah. And will these tech companies be complicit with? The way these government, I mean, China has been in the news for this reason for a long time because Google has very had very public like spats and like sometimes they compromise, sometimes they're like, nope, we're pulling back. It's like it's clearly it hasn't been like a simple interaction of like, no, we, we will bring our service to your nation. So here's if since we've already turned this into the crazy political philosophy hour, <laughs> which I'm I'm totally okay with. Um, as long as China is only doing this to spy on their own citizens, do we have a any kind of authority as not China to tell them to stop? <laughs> well, it depends if you like the Martin Luther King Jr. line about... An uh, injustice anywhere? Is it injustice is, everywhere? Yeah, is a threat to justice everywhere. Yeah, that was close. Um I mean, yeah, morally, I would say yes. <laughs> they should probably not be doing this. But at the same time, there is kind of that like, well, it's not our country. Look at what happens yeah. every time Americans <laughs> try to police other countries. We go over there, kill a bunch of people, and then leave rubble. And we're like, bye. I mean, that that has been like the story <laughs> of – because, you know, we're like World War One and World War Two were like – I think most people would say just wars, right? 
that has not been the story of war in our lifetime. Or at least our, our decision to get involved at that moment was a yeah mostly a reaction of moral like moral we got to do this yeah where I, w- I wouldn't say that every action by every side <laughs> ended up war as hell and people do shitty things in war but right but i mean that that's my point is like there was world war 1 and world war 2 at least the way that they're marketed to people who didn't live through them yeah it's very much like this was so bad that all we could do to make things better was shoot other people in the face. Like that, that was our only <laughs> remaining solution was face shooting and mustard gas. And, but nowadays it's like, it seemed it's presented much more nuance. And I mean, I know obviously the world war one and world war two probably had a lot of nuance, but historically yeah. I, don't, I don't think anyone <laughs> yeah. would argue like, yeah, maybe, maybe we should just let the Nazis do their thing. They probably would have stopped eventually, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas, like, now, it's like, what are we doing anywhere? So it's like, maybe we shouldn't just go march into China. I mean, I don't think we're going to put boots on the ground in China, but, yeah, I mean, like, they're, you know. So what I think is interesting is before our involvement, before it became, like, obvious that the Nazis were doing, like, <laughs> there was a lot of, like, covered up stuff that we didn't know was going on for a while before it was like, oh, shit, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> But that there was this brief moment where, like, the Nazi Socialist Party, like, had roots in America. Like, we could almost, like, see it, like, it almost could have caught on with part of our nation of, like, some of the tenets of the party before we knew about concentration camps. What was actually going on. But also, I mean, internment camps, like, we did some stuff that. Oh, yeah. Is ex- not exactly easy to defend now. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we, it, it's, I mean, this is why it's an interesting nuanced issue because it's like stopping the Nazis, indisputably a good thing. The way we got there by like putting, just rounding up every Japanese person we could find and be like, hey, you want to go to summer camp until we decided you're not a threat? That'd be cool. And then dropping nuclear bombs on civilian-filled cities. Yeah. (laughs) Sent a real clear message, but also not a lot of Nazis in Japan. No. No, they were mostly in, like, that Europe area. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't, like, I don't, I have none answers. Well, this is why we get modern art movements, too, of, like, the, the kind of the almost nihilist, like, crazy surreal forms of art in the 20th century it's just i feel like it's just the 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 psyche of the nation in response to what the hell (laughs) like the the like one of the most horrible things we've ever seen and then we've become in some ways and it's sort of like this big ambivalent mess when you stare into and so it's like i don't just want to i don't just want to paint still life anymore like or (laughs) i just i can't paint now i'm just gonna paint solid colors because i i got nothing i'm gonna i'm gonna splatter stuff (laughs) because yeah i don't it's just so dark it's just all sad and dark and well, that's what I think was my original <laughs> impulse to get us here was that everything, like even if sciences are like our little torch of trying to be more objective, like everything is so intertwined into our stories, and so even all our technology and all the things that result from our science are still expressions of our humanity, and it's it's just 
completely twisted up in it. You cannot <laughs> separate it because if you separated it, you would separate what makes you who you are from. Yeah, I get that's <laughs> trying to deny any aspect of your humanity is probably a great folly, but. I do feel like there are people who use that justification to commit atrocities. Oh, there are bad stories, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, they're like, well, sometimes you just want to kill everyone, and that's just a part of who you are. <laughs> yeah, not at all what I'm saying. No, I know, I know you're not. I know you're not. I know you, Michael, are not going to kill everyone, probably. Yeah. But, but I just think like it's like most things, it is probably – the one of my the few things that really stuck with me from my like intro to philosophy class that I took in, in undergrad was Aristotle's virtue theory, which is basically extremes pretty much always bad. <laughs> the virtue moderation everything, even moderation. <laughs> exactly. The virtue is almost always somewhere between the extremes. It may be closer to one than the other, but it's always almost always somewhere between like he argued he was like Killing people, always bad. Sometimes you use it to good ends, but the act of killing another human being is always bad. Yeah. So it was like, there are some just total bad things, but m- virtues are always between two extremes. And it's just, it's really hard to remember because it's so much easier. I should say, not remember, it's hard to act on because it's so much easier to just do things black and white. Right? So you've almost described what me and Thomas joke about all the time is the teleological suspension of the ethical... <laughs> So that mouthful. So this is why the story of Abraham is interesting, even if you're not religious. And even uh, I think, what was his name? Not Camus. Jesus. No. (laughs) Um, The atheist existentialist Sartre. Okay. (laughs) Um, He was also fixated on the story of Abraham because the story is um, he's told by God to kill his son as sacrifice. Yeah, to like bring him up on the mountain. Yeah. And so that's that's the philosophical question is like killing your son bad, right? <laughs> like objectively morally wrong. Yes. When God tells you to do it, not bad, right? I well, that's the dilemma. As a non-Christian, I would say no one has the authority to tell you to kill your son. <laughs> but that's the interesting existential dilemma for Abraham of right. And, you know, it wasn't like he was already at the altar. It's like he had to take his son <laughs> for days, and his son's like, where are we going? It's like, well, we'll see when we get there. I'm uh, Disneyland! <laughs> and, yeah, and so that's the interesting dilemma there. But, yeah, with this Aristotle theory, like, yeah, killing people, bad, so it can be good still. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're now pushing the limits of my <laughs> philosophy training. Um because they're not, this is not a deep lake. But there's a there's the argument over whether the ends can ever justify the means, and like at what, like what's the ratio? Like how evil can your means be, and then like how good do the ends have to be to justify those? But evil there's means? also just endless arguments. Like can you like can you justify? Ethical values, yeah. In can, the first yeah, can place, you quantify them? whether on religious grounds or reason grounds, or is it all just a social contract of like we'll just be happier if we don't kill each other? Please don't kill each other. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's maybe just not utilitarianism or. Well, I remember one of the questions they posed in that that same you know like one thousand level course was something like, uh, "Would you kill one person to save a hundred? 
And there were people in the room who were like, no, I could never kill another person. And there were people in the room who were like, you know, well, it would depend. And me, I'm sure 10 years ago. But I mean, at the time I was like, yup. <laughs> because obviously and then it's like but there are well, what, ethical- if that, what if that one person was going to be einstein or was going to be the next jesus and yeah. it's like well if i don't know that going into it then i'm exercising the but information the i have available so it's ethical because of your level of information so if you're more of an idiot you can always be ethical yes <laughs> And I, Which is an interesting I, horror. Yeah. You could set up a very horrific situation totally good. where someone is totally ethical and is just killing yeah. people. Yeah, because but, in their worldview, everyone's a monster and needs to be slain. Yeah, this is uh, I am. I'm not letting you talk again. <laughs> this is okay. I'm going to talk about I Am Legend, and if you want to see that and don't want it spoiled, you've been warned. It turns out it has Will Smith. It turns out he's the monster in the end, and that Ooh. these well. In the book. And in the director's cut with the intended okay. movie version. Okay, because I was going to say in the... Cause I, my, Theatrical cut, yeah, they just the, ruined it. It's Yeah, it's just zombies. fucking Will Smith. <laughs> but, um, All right, go on. Oh, just that, yeah, he's ethically protecting himself the entire movie, and then it's like, oh, shit. Oh, wait. <laughs> they're they're terrified of him. He's a monster. And they're, that's why they're like hunting him, because they're like, we have to kill this monster. <laughs> So this okay. So then, would I be right in asserting that ethics and morality is a it's a social construct, right? I mean, yes. Like nature. <laughs> Some does people not, don't think so. Nature does not have ethics and morality in any discernible, observable sense, right? Like a bear does not feel bad when it <laughs> kills something and eats it ever. Or it's just always acting ethically as a bear. <laughs> it always feels great about it. Well, my, the reason I'm asking this is so dogs seem to feel guilt. And you're well. Are we projecting what we would observe Maybe. in other humans? So, but the reason I, I'm asserting this is because in your your quandary about the stupid person <laughs> killing people, being ethical, or yes. just doing awful things. So they in a vacuum maybe behaving ethically because they're operating on the information they have available. But for observers, it would not be ethical to allow them to continue. Like we have to stop them as ethical observers. So this is a frame of reference. Ethics are a frame of reference. Yeah. I would say a little bit because that kind of goes with acting on the information you have available to you. I mean, if, um, Here's a really trite example. Someone breaks into your house in the middle of the night and you go downstairs and you're like, you know, stop or I'll shoot. And they like rush at you and you shoot them and they die. And it turns out that they were just like blasted out of their mind drunk and they thought they were going into their own house and they came into your house because your door was unlocked. You weren't wrong to defend yourself. (laughs) In hindsight, a mistake was made, but you... It doesn't become murder because you wrongfully defended yourself. I I wouldn't say it does. This is no question the heaviest episode we have ever, ever done. This is like, I feel like we have to change the whole title of the show. Well, I think that's why like all the most horrific thing, it's why you posed the question earlier of like, is this happening to me? Like, Hmm. am I part of a certain kind of information society where... 
I'm being not being told everything or things are being taken or stolen or whatever. Like the institutionalized horrors are it's really the the interesting thing with the modern era. It's, you know, the soylent green or the <laughs> I've heard it's really good. Or most of the <laughs> You know, all the concerns about, like, outsourced labor, which seem very mm. well-founded concerns about, like, well, it's cheaper and you don't have to observe people's <laughs> rights as much. Yeah. If you're not looking, it's not happening. Yeah. And that's actually, that's probably, woo, that's probably a good example of ethical, believing you're acting ethically because of a lack of information. Like, if I don't know that they're being whipped in factories to build well, iPhones, also then the, I can't be bad at it. The frame of reference argument of like, well, most of the jobs in that nation are worse. So this bad job with terrible lack of rights is okay. Yeah. In in contrast. Isn't that a fallacy? It's, it's kind of like the fallacy of hypocrisy. (laughs) Like saying that other jobs are worse. Doesn't stop that job from being bad. Like it doesn't make it good. It just makes it less bad. But I think this is one that hits home as someone who loves cheap, technology that yeah that's on the backs of people working for very little yeah Yeah, and it doesn't matter that they're making more than they could make in most other options in their life it's like yeah but we're subsidized yeah no i i've i've had this very crisis myself where i'm like do i really need to contribute to this system more than i do um even like uh, where i used to live in florida i started recycling when it got below a certain threshold of effort because in Florida, it's really difficult to recycle anything. But so it's like, it's good. I think it's a good thing to recycle. But when it was above a certain threshold of effort, I was like, eh, it's not that important. And then once it got below that threshold, I was like, no, this is important. (laughs) And that's where you, you know, that's like a little bit shameful, but it's like, I can't do everything always. (laughs) As Louis C.K., to paraphrase Louis C.K., you can't have everything ever. <laughs> you can't not have no things. No, but like Aristotle would tell us, that's the extreme. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this, I, I'm, I'm tired. This, this, is, this is harder than usual, than it, just being angry at things. It is. We should talk about Bordeauxlands then. Okay. I need, you know what I need right now? I need a chaise. Can we need a... You need to drink some water and I'll describe what Borderlands is before you explain how you you hate played it. (laughs) That is what I did. So Borderlands is uh, basically, it's been described as, it's a game, it's it's not massively multiplayer. It's multiplayer online. Um, Basically, you got guns, it looks sort of like a comic book cutout cartoon sort of graphics. And you shoot people and you take their guns and you go through a little story and you're basically always on the chase for that better gun or that better little attachment or rifle or whatever. And it kind of never ends. I mean, I think there's a story and there's an ending, but (laughs) really it's kind of just an open-ended game where you just play, 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 play. Yeah, it it has a. I think with Assassin's Creed, you called it Waypoint. The game, (laughs) it kind of has that feeling. Or Icon Hunt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's really it's a combination of like the modern uh, GTA Assassin's Creed style. Like now go here, now go here, now go here, now go here. Combined with the Diablo, like click until it's dead, pick up the stuff it dropped. (laughs) Click until it's dead, pick up the stuff it dropped. But it's a shooter. It's a first person version. It is, and. 
hate plated is probably <laughs> a good description of what I was doing the other night. So I had this interesting conversation with my wife. I'm sitting there playing. I'm becoming increasingly frustrated because I'm just getting my ass handed to me. And I should stress at this point that if it hasn't become clear with the way Mike and I completely relentlessly mock dude bro shooters, <laughs> I don't play dude bro shooters. I don't have anything against them. It's just not my jam. Just like I don't play sports games. Not my jam. So I'm not good at them because I have very little prior experience to draw on. So I'm fighting this boss and just getting completely obliterated. And my wife just very calmly is like, you really seem like you're having fun. Maybe don't play this. It didn't cost you any money. I got it as a gift from a friend. She was like, maybe just don't. Don't don't play this. <laughs> maybe don't. Maybe stop hitting yourself. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> you have a limited amount of time to play video games. Why don't you play a game like you want to play? And then at that point, my response was the childish, like, "No, <laughs> this game cannot tell me what to do. I am better than this game." And it's like I really, I love the humor in in Borderlands, and I really love the uh, like the aesthetic style and all like that. And it's just it's like fun and kind of quirky and. I had to determine whether or not even the implied suicide advertising. Yes, that kind of uh, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. I know it bothers some people. Anyway, I had to weigh out like is the amount of hate playing I will have to do to get good enough at this game worth the enjoyment. I'll, I, I'm presuming that I will get out of it because I I, ha- I can make a logical guess, but I don't really know. And right now I'm still on the side of yes. Like I'm still playing and I beat that goddamn boss. It took like seven tries and it also took a rage quit. Like I stopped, came back later, you know, had a cup of tea, had a little nosh, relaxed, came back, shot him in the face a bunch of times, collected loot. So it's like, I have you, you, I think we, we had discussed this previously. Like you, do not have a problem giving up on a video game. No. This is why... <laughs> Don't care. I, yeah, this is why I have trouble reading books that do not come from certain recommendation sources because I can't really just give up <laughs> midway through. I have a hard time with that. Like, one of the few games I have ever big quit... commitment. <laughs> I am. One of the few games I have ever quit and will never, ever go back to is Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, my God. I love that game. And that's fine. You're entitled <laughs> to your terrible opinion. But I just... I didn't like it at the time, and now I have, like, a decade... You couldn't even hate play it? No. Draw magic for, nope. like, three, a few hours? Nope. Nope. But then I- you become so overpowered <laughs> that the game is so easy. I may, maybe this will be a future challenge where it's like Lions has it's to play. It's on the Vita. Yeah, no, I have it in. I own it. Like because Susan has it, so I mean the, the game is in my house, in like three different formats, and I could also probably get it on Steam for a dollar ninety nine. But this is, yeah, PC Final Fantasy. <laughs> Something's just wrong. But this this is like I don't want to say it's a problem, but it makes me way more selective about my media because I have a very hard time saying, eh, and and then just kind of moving on. Like 
we were talking about lost. Like I rage quit lost. Like <laughs> I said in, and I'm not really, it was like a divorce. It wasn't it was, like, yeah, let's, I don't want to hang like, out again. It was like a nasty <laughs> divorce. It was like, I'm taking the kids. We are fighting over yes. the house and the, that piano's mine. Yes. And we'll I'm moving, in half moving to. to another state and getting a different job. I'm not going to give you my address. You can send the alimony checks to my lawyer. Like it was, and I'm, I, I've, I've had just quick side note. I really enjoy the hyperbole of extreme delivery. I mean, I'm, I co-founded a podcast called flipping tables. Like I, I enjoy it. I think it's fun, but in reality, I'm not always this person of extremes, but when it comes to rage quitting stuff, I rage quit with fierce like windows, fierce seriousness. Yes, exactly like that. And that's, I, I'm not there yet with Borderlands. I don't think I'll get there because I am improving enough <laughs> that I can enjoy it. I, more of my face shots are hitting faces instead of nearby walls. But I mean, I just, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how you can invest. Counter Strike. We should try sometime. <laughs> are you good? Especially if you're not good. Yeah, I usually go at least even, if not positive ratio. Ooh. So, and I mean,. Huh. But I put in like hundreds of hours at this point. Hundreds of hours of getting good at. So, at what point, or were you having fun the whole way? See, this is this is the thing: is I have to. I don't know. I have to maybe redefine what I consider enjoyment. Like, as long as I'm not type two fun. No, that's not what I mean. I mean like finding joy in attempting, not finding joy in success. Right. It's like, enjoy the journey kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, because it's like, I very much noticed that I was able to shoot the guy in the face because of all my missed face shooting. I eventually learned what would make me hit his face. Like the recoil and of the not gun miss his and face. The, exactly. You know, and, and that's a big that learning curve in Counter-Strike. Cause yeah. if you just hold down, shoot, your gun just goes all over <laughs> and then you miss yeah, and you're like, how did I not hit him once? You get the little reticle spread yeah. to let you know, like you're doing worse, you're doing worse. Now, that doing game worse. is brutal. And it's also a game where you die very fast, like two shots, three shots, yeah. like almost like Clancy Rainbow Six <laughs> level of just like. And this is, have you played any of the Borderlands games? Yeah. Okay. So you know that like. I quit it after like five hours. (laughs) Like a lot of modern games, the penalty for death is basically nothing. Yeah. And I think that that's. Oh, some of your loot dropped. Go find your body. Not even that. Not even that. You just lose money. (laughs) It's like, put it on my tab. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's literally machines scattered throughout the wasteland that respawn you. So even in the game universe, you haven't. It's not like time reset, like in Mario, when it's like the little Mario X2 and then the little Mario X1 and you're at the beginning of the level. It's like you literally just re get reconstructed over there and then you're Well, even you're like down. Bioshock does that. There's a Vita chamber and you just magically appear yeah, and yep. you're back in the game. Same kind of thing. Not even like a you died, game over. It's just like, well, you're back. <laughs> oh, you know what's a good? It's Borderlands. The closest I've ever seen it to is Grand Theft Auto. You just wake up in the hospital you pay the hospital fee, you're good. You still have all your loot. Like Fantasy Star 2. Everything's fine, yeah. And I'm a pretty big supporter of this methodology in gaming because if my goal is, you know, press R1 until all the things stop moving, then pick up all the stuff that the things you shot dropped, then I don't really need a huge... Like, I'm not trying to master this skill. I'm 
basically shooting things until the next funny line is delivered <laughs> from a side character. Like, I, maybe this should just be a movie or like an audio recording of funny yeah. lines from the characters. I do think your mentality of like, I'm going to finish this or I'm going to see what's next is pretty common because how else can you explain shitty games yeah. that people play endlessly? Free-to-play games, Candy Crush, all that stuff. It's just like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm is just going to keep going. Is it, a, what's it, is it a slinger box? Is that what it's called? A Skinner, Sk- Skinner box. box. You, know, you always say Slinger. I always though. say Slinger, and I do not know why. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, Borderlands <laughs> is very much the like, ooh, what did he drop? Ooh, what did he drop? Ooh, what did what did I find? What did yeah. I get? What do I get? No, more stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, Red notification. What does it say? What does it say? Yes. <laughs> and I, I try to limit that kind of thing in my real life. Like I have my notifications turned way down and stuff, but... It's really addictive in video games. It's easy to have wasted 90 minutes and then realize, like, I accomplished nothing. I pressed R1, like, a lot. Oh, that's Kingdom Rush for me. I I played through that game, like, six times. (laughs) And, like, after you beat it, there's new levels that are hard as balls. And, like, (laughs) I don't know, like, you earn these little gold coins and then, like, you save up enough. And then you're like, I'm just going to, like, kick this level's ass by, like, having (laughs) tons of extra money. See, would would you argue that... At least in that case, there's some like strategy you're putting into it. Like you have to place your units and kind of get an idea. Yeah. So it's not just I press the button until I won. Well, there are times where I'm like, am I enjoying this or am I just like, you know, like, am I just going through the like plants versus zombies? Like I always think about reinstalling and going through again sometime, and I'm like. But really, I'm just like anxiously like making sure I gather all the sun the entire level so that I can keep going. And like yep. after all, I'm like, this is kind of just stressful. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of just really stressful. It is. Yeah, tower defense games are kind of like that because there's just this like onslaught. I love them. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I found one on Steam that I got through a humble bundle that I'll have to send you the link for. It's called. I think it's called. Um, oh crap. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to fire up Steam now just to see what the title of this game is because I can research stuff live on the show <laughs> if I'm able to fill the dead air by rambling incessantly while I do it. Even in metaform about Defender's how Quest. Okay. Yes, especially in metaform. God, how, <laughs> what else would you do? Yeah, it's called Defender's Quest Valley of the Forgotten, and it's it was originally oh, a... It's, a f- it's a colon title? Uh, yes, yeah, Defender's <laughs> Quest colon. How does zero punctuation do that? He, uh, he go, I think he goes like, huh? <laughs> like, like, like fighting back vomit. Like the sh- <laughs> Exactly. Um, but so Defender's Quest, <laughs> Valley of the Forgotten. I don't know. He must have to do a thousand takes of that to get one where he doesn't giggle. Or maybe he's just really practiced, which would be the thousand takes. So my idea holds. Um, <laughs> But it, it's it was originally a flash game, so the graphics are very originally a flash game. But I mean that's fine. Like it's a really fun tower defense game. It's got like a clever mechanic. The story's kind of funny. The writing is a little eh. Because that's not why you play tower defense. Like the yeah, comic yeah. book portions of Kingdom Rush, I'm like skip, 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 skip. <laughs> Could not care less. But now, so again, it's time for another super violent segue. So now that we're going to talk about Defender's Quest, this has. The coolest New Game Plus mechanic I have ever seen in a game that had New Game Plus. And 
I just saw you, your eyes kind of dart over to the clock. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want do you want a cliffhanger? Do you want to talk about Defender's Quest next time? I don't care. <laughs> okay. So sure. You want to, okay. All right. There it is. All right. Mike called it. <laughs> yep. I, my hands just are up. Sh- yes. Stop. Stop. Okay. So, Mike, where can people find the incredibly lightweight show notes for this incredibly heavy episode? At flippingtablespodcast.com slash zero three seven. Zero. Zero. Zed. Zed. Zedro. Zed. Not. That's it. Not. Not three seven. Yes. Flippingtablespodcast.com. Zilch. Three seven. Zilch three seven. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch about all your crazy uh, philosophy learnings? Medwords on Twitter or pseudomichael.com. Uh, still fine. Uh, you should watch the Zero Theorem. Oh, should I? Or are we going to watch Brazil We're, we're going to watch Brazil. Oh, man. Maybe this week. And then we can, I can report on it, what everyone thinks of my opinion of like a 40-year-old movie. Mm-hmm. Is it that old? It's 70s? 85. 80, oh, okay. 84, something like that. It's getting up there. Um, people can find me at linesinbeta.com, linesinbeta on Twitter. And uh, I don't, I, I'm too tired to think of follow up. Do you, can you think of anything? I think our topics were heavy enough if they someone were, wants to yeah. jump in. I would love to hear do. contributions from people. I just can't, for the life of me, think of anything specific. I'm exhausted. Yep. I'm going to go just sleep until next Tuesday <laughs> when we record again. Uh, uh. <laughs>